Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on, House family. We are so glad that you are here. Let me just say there is no shortage of hurdles uh, to get to church. You could be doing anything in the world right now. You could be at home watching Netflix, just hanging out with your family. You could be at brunch right now. You could be watching a game right now, but you decided I'm going to get up. I'm going to get my family and we're going to be in the house of the Lord. And we believe that anytime you decide to do that, come on, God is going to bless it. Well, like Pastor Stephen said, my name is Devin and I get the honor to serve on staff here. And really, I would say uh, more so than just serving on staff, I'm a son of the house. I'm a son of this house. And if you're new to church, that can sound very churchy. But but basically what I mean is just most of my spiritual formation has happened because of this church. And so I'm grateful today, not just for the church and not just for the people in the room, but specifically um, our pastors. And so Pastor Stephen, is, he's been preaching at a conference all weekend. And then this morning, he's preaching in one place. And then from what I understand, he's getting in his car and he's driving to another church and he's preaching there. He crazy, okay? Because <laughs> I'm preaching twice in the same place. And I'm like, that is enough for me. But he is dealing with traffic in between. So, um, and then Obviously, Pastor Katie, yesterday, I don't know if you've ever um, written a sermon or had to prepare to talk in front of people before, but I have a four-year-old son. And so preparing a message and a four-year-old son, they don't mix very well. He does not understand, like, quiet time. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't really do good with, you know what I'm saying, chill. He wants to run around. And so uh, Pastor Katie and their family just came and, and picked up Malachi yesterday. Like a, or actually, I dropped him off at 11. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get a couple hours in. It's great. It was like 9 o'clock before I got this child back. And he was tired. He was worn out. And I was like, okay, I need to send you to Cookie's house more. That's what he calls Katie. That's, like, I need to send you to her house every weekend. And you just come back and go to sleep. This is a good deal. Uh, but, but I say all that to say this. Our pastors, they love people. And you can go to a lot of places and hear good messages. You can go to a lot of places and meet really awesome leaders. Um, but it's something special when you find people who, who love you and who care about you and don't just care about you when you're here on Sunday, but all through the week, they're praying for you. I remember being in their office when we had 35 people in our church and we were praying that God would grow and we were praying over the people in our church. And so that's not something that we just started. That's the same heart that they've had the whole time. And so um, October is Pastors Appreciation Month. So I'm actually going to ask you to stand up on your feet with me and give some honor to our pastors. Okay, I know that. Come on. Come on. Awesome. You, you can be seated. You can be seated. And here's the thing. They hate that I did that, but it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's good for them. It's good for you to, to honor them because we live in a culture that everybody has to be perfect um, to, to be worthy of honor. And I'm just saying that there's not any perfect leaders in the world. I'm not a perfect dad or a perfect husband or a perfect youth pastor, but I'm hoping that I can just plant something in somebody's life and, and they would honor me for that. And so it's good for you to sow those seeds of honor. Well, we are in a brand new series today called See People. Come on, look at somebody and say, you see me? Look at somebody else and say, I see you. <laughs> Come on, this, is, this series, See People, is all about us opening our eyes and really seeing people. And obviously, you know what I'm saying, some of you, you wear glasses, you're like, okay, I don't see that good. Uh, the good news is we're, we're not really talking about just physically the ability to, to notice that people are in the room, but we're saying that the ability to stop and to look at somebody in the eyes 
and to see the God-given potential and purpose inside of them. And so I'm excited to, to jump into the Word today. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 13. We're going to be in verse 10 through 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 10 through 13. And it says this, On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Come on, look at your neighbor one more time. This is probably the last time I'm going to make you do this. And look at them and say, it's time. Okay, it's going to have to be everybody, okay? It's time to straighten up. <laughs> Come on, will you pray with me as we get ready to jump into the Word? God, we thank you for your Word today. God, we don't take it lightly anytime we get to sit under your Word. God, we believe that it is all breathed out by you, God, that it's profitable for our life, God, to teach us and to correct us and to rebuke us, God. We pray that your Word today would cut off the things in our life that don't need to be there and begin to plant some seeds in our life for the things that need to grow. God, I ask that you would speak through me, that it wouldn't just be my voice or my words, God, but Holy Spirit, that you would partner with me, that you would anoint my words to speak to every single person in this room. You're no respecter of persons, and so I believe that you have a word for every single person that is here today. And we all said, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, my title today is Through the Crowd, Through the Crowd. I don't know if you remember this trend. It seems like we have so many trends that it's hard to, to keep up with all of them. But, but a few years ago, there was this challenge called the Invisible Challenge, okay? It was the Invisible Challenge. And if you have small kids, the trendy thing to do was to convince them that you're able to make people disappear, Okay, and so you would sit down, your five-year-old or your six-year-old or your, you know what I'm saying, if you had like a gullible cousin that was 18 years old, you know what I'm saying, you would sit them down into a chair and you would put a blanket over their head and you would do your thing and pull the blanket. And what you would have to do is before that moment, you would get a family member who likes playing tricks on people and they would take a picture in front of the chair or whatever. And so then you would reenact this whole entire moment. And whenever the kids saw the picture, they would think, I have disappeared. My parents have made me disappear disappear. And it was just funny seeing all the different reactions. So I actually have a video that we're going to play to just kind of reenact this because it started with a, with a Netflix series. So if we can if we can play this real quick, that would be awesome. Hey, house family. Listen, you guys familiar with the concept of invisibility? Yeah. The water visible. Yes. Yeah. We can see it. We can hear it. But when it becomes invisible, Take the bottle, take a sip. It is invisible now, but swish it around and it becomes visible. So far, so good. Should we try it with people? Yeah. We got two men and a blanket. You guys ready to do this? Let's go. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Mike, sit up straight. I'm going to cover you up. Here we go. Don't move. Let's make them invisible on the count of three. One, two, two three. And Jonathan is now a believer. You ready? No. All right, here we go. I'm cover you. 
Invisible on the count of three. One, two, two three. They did not vanish. You cannot see them or hear them. Jonathan, we can't see you or hear you, but will you just grab the can? Yeah, there we go, there we go. There we go. You ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Oh my God. Let me see. Oh man, it's just a freaking. Yeah, no one's gonna get that one. It's so cool. I watch it, it just, it cracks me up because this dude's whole demeanor changes once he, once he thinks that he's invisible. When, before he thinks he's invisible, he just comes and sits down and just acts like a normal human being, okay? But after he thinks, after he's convinced that no one can see him, he starts doing all kind of goofy stuff. And the video is like 30 minutes long. Obviously, I only got like 30 minutes for the message, so we couldn't watch the whole thing. Um, but he's doing all kind of stuff, and, and, it, and it completely impacts how he lives his life. And I started thinking, man, as an introvert, how awesome would it be to be invisible? Like, what? Like, what would I do? Like, what kind of things would I do if I just had one day where nobody could see me? I'm clipping my toenails anywhere. Like, I'm just clipping them. You know what I'm saying? I'm just clipping. I'm just doing whatever. I'm going in the pantry. I'm eating all the snacks that we're supposed to, you know what I'm saying, save for the whole week because we go to shopping once a week. I'm eating all of them at once. Ain't nobody going to see me. I'm blaming it on Malachi. Like, I am... I'll just come in church and just sit in the back and just observe everybody. Nobody would talk to me. I would just, like, I started to think, what would my life be like if I was invisible? Obviously, eventually, it would get a little exhausting. I would want people to see me. But, but for some of us in this room, we don't even have to wonder what it's like to feel invisible because we wake up every day and we go to work, come on, or we go to school, and we feel invisible. We feel like nobody sees us. And even further than that, we feel like God doesn't see us. We feel like we're just going through the motions, and, and maybe you got a promise from the Lord a, a few years ago, and it hasn't happened, and, and that makes you feel unseen. And that's why I love this story that, that we're reading today, because I believe that all of us in this room can, can relate with this lady. We all, we all have been in a moment where we've been somewhere, and we feel like God doesn't see us. If there's anybody in the Bible who has the right to feel unseen by God, it's, it's this lady. The Bible says that she, for 18 years, has been bent over, looking at her feet, because a spirit is attached to her. And we don't really know why this lady is in this situation. We don't know if it's something that, that she did. We don't know if it's something that her parents did. All we know is that there's a spirit attached to her, and she is going through life, and she feels unseen by God. If I had been praying for 18 years for one thing to change, I'm not praying for money. I'm not praying for a better job. I'm not praying for blessings and favor. I'm just praying, God, can you straighten me out? Come on, can, can I just, you know what I'm saying, stand up right like everybody else that's around me. And each person in this room probably has something that they're dealing with. And you feel like I'm the only one who has this issue. And if God really saw me, he would have healed me by now. 
Come on, every day this lady woke up, it was a reminder that I have this issue. Every time she went out in public, can we just, can we just paint the picture? Because sometimes we, I think that we read the Bible, and it's because it's, like it's, been, it's been around for a long time, we can just read stories and think that's a good story for kids' church, but, it's, but we forget that like, these stories are meant to connect with us and to, and to teach us something about God. And so just imagine every time you go out in public, people are whispering about you and saying things about you and, they, and, and they're having pity on you and no one thinks that you can amount to much because you've had this issue for so long and people have even forgotten what it was like when, when, you, were, when you were normal and, and imagine that, that you had an issue and at the beginning I'm sure her friends were like wanting to be helpful and like girl we got you and, and we're going to help you and, and maybe they thought it was just going to be a few months or, or a few years but 18 years I mean life moves on. Life, like people get married, people have kids, and, and, and over time, imagine that her friends have just been like, you know what, we, we wanted to help her. But after 18 years of one issue, it's kind of easy to give up on somebody because that's a, that's a lot to deal with, and this lady is, is going through. And today, I wonder if there's any people in church that have an issue that has you all bent out of shape. Come on, there's, a, there's several things that can have you bent out of shape. Now, now, maybe your body isn't at a 90-degree angle, okay? But can we talk about our souls a little bit? Can we talk about the spirit that we walk in a little bit? Come on, maybe people gossiping about you has you all bent out of shape today. Maybe something that your parents did to you. Come on, you have triggers, and when, when a certain person li- raises their voice at you, you get bent out of shape. Come on, for some of us, come on, it's, it's easy to get bent out of shape. All we need is somebody to cut us off in traffic, and then I am, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Just call me. Hey, house family. And Bendy, and I am, I am ready to go. We can joke, but, but, but seriously, we all have something inside of us that if we're not careful, we'll, it'll, it'll bend us out of shape, and you can be as saved as you want to be, because what I've learned in my own life is, is maybe, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't happen immediately. You don't just wake up one day, and you just, you know what I'm saying, like this, but just one decision. Come on, one offense, one person saying something to you in the wrong time, tone. One time, you invited your kids to come back for a holiday, and they were, they were busy, Come on, one moment where your boss, like, didn't give you the promotion or the raise that you wanted to. And if you're not careful, over time, you can easily get bent out of shape. You can easily catch yourself looking at your shoes, wondering, how did I get here? Gossip, church hurt, something that an ex did, your kids, an addiction. We can all find ourselves hunched over something that, um, that will keep us from feeling seen. Sorry, I accidentally closed out my whole uh, message, so we got to pull that back up. We're going we, to need that. <laughs> but, but, but here she is, 18 years, same issue, and she hears about this man named Jesus. What if I told you that, that there was one person, there was one man who could heal all of your issues, and maybe she just heard about it in passing. Maybe she had a really good friend that, that stopped her and said, you know what? I hear this guy Jesus is in town, and he's been going from synagogue to synagogue, and they say that he teaches like one with authority, not like how the Pharisees do it. And not only is he teaching and preaching, but he's laying hands on folks, and he's healing them. And I heard he put some spit and some dirt one time and rubbed it on these guys' eyes. I'm hoping that that don't have to, have to happen, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, this was not 2020. Okay, he didn't know, you know what I'm saying, about the COVID and whatnot, so we're just going, you know what I'm saying, go past that. But he's going from place to place, and he's healing people. I can imagine that this lady 
was, was full of anticipation. And sure, she had to think through, man, what are people going to say when they see me out in public? What are the, what are the religious leaders going to say when I walk into the church? Because back then, what they thought is, is if you had a sickness or if you had an illness or something was wrong with you, then that meant that you were a sinner. And maybe this lady, maybe this lady was a sinner, okay? I don't, I don't know her that well, you know what I'm saying? I don't know her backstory. Maybe she was a sinner, but I'm grateful, come on, that in the house of God, you can come and you can experience peace. Come on, you can experience healing. You can experience all the things, no matter where you came from. She said, you know what? I'm going to decide to go to the house of God because I heard there's someone there who can heal me. So she finds herself in this room after fighting through all her insecurities and, and, and what people are going to say. Um, she's in the room. Her, her issue is in the room. Judgmental people. It's not like she has an issue that is like a secret issue. Today, like <laughs> you could be going through something and nobody in the room know because we're good at like, especially in Northwest Arkansas. Come on, we're good at smiling. We're good at, come on, come on, just, just going through the motions. And, and, and you'll just one day, like two years after knowing somebody, you'll hear that they went through something. You're like, I never knew because every time I asked you, you were just like, I'm good. But she doesn't have this luxury. She can't hide her issue. It's out in plain sight. It's just like she pulls up and everybody's like, there she go. <laughs> there go to the lady that's bent over all the time. And so she walks into the room full of judgmental people. There's a crowd in the room. Because Jesus, this isn't at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. If this was Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 5, I would say, okay, maybe there was just a handful of people in the room. But no, Jesus is going around, and his fame is beginning to build. And when Jesus shows up, a crowd of people show up. And so she, she, she fights through the crowd, and she's there, and all these people are there, but the most important part is that Jesus is in the room. And can I, can, can I tell you, no matter what you fought through to get here today, it doesn't matter what you brought into this room today, the most important part is that the presence of God is in this room. Come on, and Jesus wants to heal you, he wants to redeem you, and he wants to restore you. And th- these four words, if, if if I could have, I would have just preached on these four words out of this verse, but you know what I'm saying? You got to use the Bible anyway. Um, these four words stuck out. Can we put that verse back up there real quick? Can we put that verse back up? All right, here we go. It says this, verse 12, when Jesus saw her, when Jesus saw her, I need to let you know that we don't serve a God that overlooks you. We don't serve a God that forgets about you. We don't serve a God that puts you on the shelf when you have an issue. No, we serve a God that sees you. And then out of all the people in the room, Jesus stopped what he was doing and he saw her. God sees you. God is not looking for something more interesting. God is not looking around thinking, like, what can we do to avoid them? No, God looks right at you. He doesn't overlook any part of you, and he looks right into your soul, and that is important for you to know. So this is my first point. You can go ahead and write it down. God sees you through the crowd. God sees you through the crowd. Psalm chapter 11, verse 4 says this. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. Come on, depending on how you live this week, <laughs> that verse is either super encouraging or super like, all right, so God just looking all the time, okay? And I, and I, <laughs> I want to point out two words that this verse uses, observe. So observe means to notice or perceive and to register it 
as being significant. In other words, God isn't just looking at you, but he notices you, and he's seeing you, and he's counting you as significant. The second word he uses in this scripture is examine. Come on, examine means to inspect someone or something in detail to determine their nature or condition, to investigate thoroughly. Come on, God looks at you and he sees your condition. Come on, he's investigating you. He's just not taking a quick glance, but he sees you. And so you may be in the place today and say, you know what? Well, well, I'm a sinner. I need to let you know that God sees you and he loves you. Come on, well, my finances aren't in order. God sees you and he loves you. Well, I've been sick for so long and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. God sees you and he loves you. Where I get super anxious and I'm depressed, God sees you and he loves you. No matter where you find yourself today, God sees you, he loves you, and he is not ignoring you. Even in a crowd of people, Jesus is able to look at this woman and see her. This is my favorite characteristic about Jesus. Like the walking on water is cool. The splitting up the fish and the bread is cool. But sometimes I don't need fish and bread. I just need a God who is able to stop and to see me. Come on, anytime Jesus is around a crowd, he's, he has this ability. Come on, you remember the crowd is around him and he's moving through and he's actually on his way to heal somebody else and a woman grabs his jacket, okay? Let me just tell you, while I'm up here preaching, don't come dra- grab my jacket, okay, please. <laughs> and he stops everything and says, somebody touched me. And the disciples are like, Jesus, this is, I don't know if you know this, but there's a crowd of people, everyone's touching you. But Jesus is like, no, there is something different. This person touched me, and it pulled power out of me. Jesus is able to say, you know what? I do have something important that I am on the way to do, but I am not so busy that I can't stop and see the person in need. And God has a lot that he wants to do in this room today. I believe that. But don't get caught up thinking that people with worse issues than you deserve God to stop. He is the I am. Like, he is I am. So he can heal you over here, and he can heal you over there. Come on, and he can give you what you need right here, and he can give you what you need right here. Come on, we serve a God that sees. He looks at her. And even, this is the great thing that I love about God. Even when she can't look at him, he has the ability to stop. And look at her. Because sometimes we have so much shame and so much condemnation and so many issues that it, that, that it keeps us from even wanting to look at God. So it's hard for you to come into service and to lift up your hands during worship. It's hard for you, come on, to be in the rally and be getting hyped up with everybody. It's hard for you to come in and sit under the word. Like it's better for you to come and sit in the back and, and hope that nobody notices you because your issues and, your, and, and the things you go through and the things that you carry have, given, have brought so much shame into your life that it's kept you from wanting to even lock eyes with Jesus. But even when you don't have the power to look at him, Come on, he stops and he looks at you. And this is an awkward moment. (laughs) This is an awkward moment, okay? This is in the middle of a church service. So just imagine with me, Stephen Hill is up front and he is leading worship. Come on, you stepped into my Egypt. I ain't on the worship team, okay? So don't make me finish that. (laughs) And he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop, stop, everybody, stop. Drum stop, keys stop, everybody, just stop. Hold on. Hey, you in the blue shirt, come up here. You would be terrified. You'd be like, who is this man? I am not coming up to the front. If you got something to say to me, you better say it to me in private. Do not call me to the front. Jesus is in the middle of teaching, and he sees this woman, and he stops. And not only does he stop, but he calls her 
to the front, you're going to call me out in front of everybody. Everyone in the room knows that I have an issue. But he stops. And, and this part is hard for us because Jesus never just stops at seeing us. He's always going to call us. He's never just going to go, I saw you. Hey, I saw you. Just want you to know. I saw you. Can you imagine if that's where the story ended? Like she would go back home to her family and they'd be like, so you went to the synagogue. What happened? He saw me. That would be a terrible story. Like that would not make it into the Bible. Okay, they would not put that part in. It would be weird. It would be, it would be an ending that isn't congruent with the nature of God. Because God doesn't just stop by seeing you in your issue, but he's always going to call you out. I can imagine the embarrassment that this lady must have felt. But on the same time, being like, you know what? (laughs) You can look at me all you want to. (laughs) You can laugh at me all you want to. You can call me names all you want to. But I came in the house today to get something from God. And the man who they told me can heal just called me to the front. So full of embarrassment, I'm going to go ahead and step out. Come on, full of anxiety, I'm going to go ahead and step out. And there are some people in the house today who you are tired of dealing with the same thing, and there's something about desperation that just makes you step when God calls you. When you hear the voice of God, you're like, you know what, I've been in debt for 22 years. God called me to do this, to start tithing, and I'm just going to do it. Ain't nothing else working anyway, so I'm just going to start being faithful in my finances, and we're just going to see if that works. I've been struggling in my marriage for 15 years, and you know what? God called me to step out and actually start doing a date night like every week. You know what? Ain't nothing else been working, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And people may think it's foolish. People may think it's silly. People may call me all kind of things, but I am here to get something from the man who can do it, and the presence of God is enough for me to step out. And so my second point for you that, that, I, that I need you to write down today is that God calls you out of the crowd. Come on, he calls her out in front of everybody. He isn't just interested in you being a part of the crowd. He's interested in you becoming a part from the crowd. So, so in the crowd, you, you can be seen. But when you step out, that's when you can be spoken to. And there's a difference from just being seen. Come on, what if, you know what I'm saying, we were friends, and every day Mitch comes into work, and I don't speak to him at all. I just see him. I just meet him with bright eyes. I just... Never say a word. He's like, how's it going, Dev? Just keep on with my work. Hey, man, what y'all do this weekend? Eventually, he would sit down with me and be like, okay, did I do something? Like, like or is, do you have an issue? Or is something wrong with you? Like, come on, are you good? Like, and I would just, because it would be awkward for you to just see somebody and not speak. But here's the thing. Sometimes the crowd around us is making so much noise that we can't hear Jesus when he's speaking to us. So he has to call us out in front of everybody and call us to the front. And so maybe God is calling you to take a step today. But obviously, um, Jesus is not going to bust up in our church today, (laughs) in the flesh, but in the spirit, but in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? Uh, In here and say, Jeff, I need you to do this. But he has sent us his Holy Spirit. And it is our job to discern God's voice. God's job is to send his voice. It is our job to discern his voice. John chapter 10, verse 27 through 28 says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, 
and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Sheep know shepherds, and they listen when they speak. Listen, Scripture talks about how the Lord speaks in a still, small voice. That's like a low whisper. And, and when you have a crowd of doubt around you, when you have a crowd of, of hypocrisy around you, come on, when you have a crowd of insecurity around you, when you have whatever crowd you find yourself in today, when you have that crowd around you, what I've noticed is that crowds make a lot of noise. And you can't hear a still, small voice in the midst of a crowd. So God has to call you forward. And so how does God speak to us today? Well, I mentioned it earlier, but, but he sent his Holy Spirit to, to teach us and to, and to give us nudges in our soul and in our spirit to, towards the things of God. And so John chapter 14, verse 26 says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit on behalf of the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's now, it's his job to call you out of the crowd. Some people have just like a nudge that, or they have a feeling or they have a knowing or, or you may be like, I hear God. Or you may, you may see something and, and, and be like, okay, that's God telling me to, to go this way. Can I tell you that that's not just coincidence. That's not just an accident. That's the voice of God telling you it's time for you to step out of the crowd. So what is God calling you out of the crowd to do? Well, here's the thing. At the house, we believe that everybody has a next step. Like no matter how long you've been saved, come on, you memorized the whole Bible. Congratulations. There's a next step for you. Or if this is like your first day at church <laughs> this past weekend, you were out partying and a song went on and it just reminded you about God and you got convicted. and You was like, I ain't even supposed to be out here. I'm supposed to be at church. And today is your first day at church. Can I tell you that the good news is that God has a next step for you? Maybe your next step is literally as simple as going to the connect room and being like, hey, I'm new to church. I don't know nobody. I need some friends. Can y'all help me? And I promise you, you're not going to be met with judgment. You're not going to be met with people being like, I ain't never seen you here before. Like, you're going to be met with people who are friendly and who are welcoming and who want to help you take that next step. Maybe you're like, I've been coming for a while. I got saved. I want to start, like, I want to start serving on a team. Maybe your step is to go to the framework. Like, you're going to hear about our church and how you can be a part, and you're going to meet some of the team. And maybe it's just like, you know what? I may not feel called to be a door greeter for the rest of my life, but right now my next step is just to get consistent showing up somewhere. And so you're going to sign up to serve. Maybe in one of our services over the last few months, and, and you, you got saved. Come on, you heard a message. And then there was an altar moment, and you were like, you know what, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And, and you lifted your hand. Come on, and pretty much in every service since we've been in this building, we've had people getting saved. Come on, can we give God some praise for that? But maybe you got saved too long, not too long ago, and you haven't been baptized. Or maybe you've just been saved, and you just never got baptized. You're like, I don't like water. I ain't doing it. I ain't going under. Like, I'm not doing it. Can I encourage you to take this step? To, to get baptized because this is you. Just like this woman had to just take the steps towards the front of the room. Maybe God is calling you to go public with your faith. But, but no matter where you find yourself, maybe it's to start tithing. Maybe it's to start coming to youth group. If you're a young person, come on, you need to be in the house on Wednesday nights because you're trying to live your faith through your parents or through your friends or whatever. And I need to tell you that you need to find somewhere to be planted so that you can flourish and you can start to be around people who believe what you believe. Maybe you're in this room and your next step is to be here consistently. I'm not talking about once a month, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, okay, Pastor Steven there this week, so, so I'm going. I'm not talking about every now and then. I'm not talking about if all your other plans get canceled. I'm talking about every Sunday, 
unless something like is an emergency or a family trip, you're going to be in the house of God, engaging in worship. Come on, taking notes during the sermon. Come on, amening and clapping and doing all of it. Like you're going to sell out to this idea of I'm going to be faithfully in the house of God. Whatever it is, you have a next step. Because what's true of God is that he will always call you out of old things and into new things. So Jesus tells this woman, come up here. Uh, Woman, your issue has been healed. And I'm like, okay, there's there's a part of me that's like, this is awesome. And then there's another part of me that's like, I, I would take a little offense to it, okay, if I didn't know any better. Because I'm like, okay, Jesus. This woman has been dealing with this for 18 years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you knew this because you, God, you know everything. You see everything. You just know. You, your, your eyes are examining and observing, okay? You're just observing and examining. And you examine this woman for 18 years. And all it took was a few words from you to change her whole life. Can you just have, you know what I'm saying, just whipped it up for her like when she was 12 or 14? Or you had to wait until 18 years of this lady. Because here's the deal. In our culture, because we're so logical and we think through everything with our brain information alone cannot always save us if we just look at the information of this then we would be offended but how many of you know that you don't just need information but you also need an experience and and love for God is built up in your heart not because of information not because of what your situation looks like right now but it's built up by altar moments and times where people can pray over you and times where you're in your car and you're playing worship and you're praising God. And I believe that this woman has enough sense to know that, listen, I don't know how God did it, but I just know that he did it and I'm grateful. And if she was entitled, because I got to talk about this, okay, because I've been, I've been entitled before, but, but I believe that we have entitled people in the room. Not everybody, okay? I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about somebody else. Um, <laughs> but if she was entitled... She would have been frustrated that Jesus would have even had to call her up to the room, up in front of everybody. She would have been, she would have had a list of complaints. These are all the things that I missed out on in my life because you didn't heal me. I wasn't able to raise my kids normally. I wasn't able to get married normally. I wasn't able to just live a normal life. I wasn't even asking for a lot. I just wanted to be regular. Come on, anybody ever pray one of those prayers? Like, God, I don't need you to do nothing crazy. (laughs) I just need the bare minimum. Like, I just need my bills to be able to be paid on time, okay? I just need my kids to not act like crackheads all the time, okay? I just need need us to get through one dinner and everybody be, like, grateful and say thank you. I don't know if you've ever prayed one of those prayers, but if we're not careful, we can be entitled and think what God should have done. And if you're caught up on what God should have done, then you're going to miss out on what he wants to do. Come on, you remember when Peter was like, hey, bro, you ain't. Jesus is telling them, like, hey, this is about to happen. This, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I'm getting ready, you know what I'm saying, deuces. I'm going to be gone. We've been together. We've been rolling for three years. Now it's time for me to go into glory. And Peter is like, never. That ain't never happening. And Peter meant it, too. When they came and grabbed him, what did Peter do? He pulled out the sword, and he chopped off somebody's ear. If I was that soldier, I'm like, all right, so somebody else come get Jesus because <laughs> I'm losing ears. (laughs) And Jesus tells Peter in the moment where he's telling him never, he says, get behind me, Satan, because you are thinking about what I should do, but I am trying to show you what I am going to do. And this is a thing that we have to come to realize. And this is my last point, and then I'm going to close up, is this. God orders your steps. God orders your steps. When this woman was able to 
finally straighten up. And she looked Jesus in the eyes. I believe that she realized God has been with me this entire time. Every time that I prayed, every time somebody ridiculed me, he's kept me this whole time. There's no reason why I shouldn't be on the side of the road somewhere. It was God's grace that even allowed me to hear that Jesus was coming to this synagogue in the first place. And can I tell you, no matter where you find yourself today, God has not left you. He's been with you every single step of the way. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. It says this, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Come on, the Lord establishes your steps. So I know your life may not look exactly how you planned it out when you were 15 years old and you had your vision board and you were just like, you know what I'm saying, on PowerPoint making a whole presentation. It may not look exactly how you thought it was going to look, but can I remind you that God is orchestrating your steps? And this is easy to preach on the, on the end of it, but it's hard to live out in the middle of it. It's hard to live this out in year nine. <laughs> this is great to preach on year 19. Come on, when they did the testimony night and she came up to the front, she was like, let me tell you about what the Lord has done for me. This is hard to live out on year seven. When you've told everybody, God is going to do it. God is going to heal it. I believe it. I got a word from the Lord and it's year six and ain't nothing changed. It's hard to, to hold on to that. But can I just speak to some people that are in year 10 right now that are right in the middle of it? God is ordering your steps. Come on, every step that you take, God is right in the middle of it. And, and, and I can't tell you, I can't talk you through all of the reasons because I got, I got my own questions, okay? I got, I got things in my life that I'm like, I'm in the middle of it. I'm in year 12 right now. And I have things, and I have concerns, and I can't tell you that I know all the answers to all of your problems, but I do know a God who will speak to you. I do know a God who is orchestrating everything that you do, and it's systematic, and it's intentional, and he sees you, and he hasn't forgotten you, and there are some things that he's working out inside of you right now that if he gave you the thing that you wanted, come on, it may not, it may not work out. You may turn and forget about God. Maybe if God would have healed this woman in year 11, she would have been like, oh, that 11 years? <laughs> that wasn't nothing. She'd be back in the streets, okay? Like, like, like. <laughs> Maybe it took 18 years for her to really become humble and go, you know what? There's no other way except God. Maybe she tried other tactics for 18 years. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She spent all her money on, on physicians and nobody can help her. And at the end of it, she finally turned to God and said, you know what? I'm going to go find Jesus. God is ordering your steps. And this is why I know this. It's not because there's a book out there called God Orders My Steps, but I'm sure there is, and you can find it, and it may be good. But in my own life, I've seen the hand of God order my steps. The other day, we were, um, we were in a staff meeting, and we were just talking about all God has done and about giving God honor for what he's done, because it's easy for us um, in a fast-paced society to just be on to the next thing. Like you, like you hit a milestone, and then you're on to the next thing. My four-year-old is already planning his five-year-old birthday party, okay? Like, he was like, the day after, he was like, what's up? What are we doing next year? Like, we doing Ninja Chargers? I'm like, bro, I'm going to recover from the finances that it took me to do this birthday party. I'm not even sure you're going to have a birthday party next year. We might just lay hands on you at church and call it good. Um, but, but we're always on to the next thing. 
And we wanted to be intentional about stopping and thanking God. And so we started to go around and just talk about what God had done in our lives. And some of you have heard my story, but can I just, will you just humor me as I tell it to you one more time? Like I grew up in a home with a single mom and nine kids, and my dad was in prison when I was born. So all of my other siblings have a different last name, but ain't nobody signed my birth certificate. So I got my mama maiden name, you know what I'm saying? I'm a cheat wood, throwing it down, and we were deeming that name. But the point is, like from an early age, I had to deal with this idea of, man, I'm rejected. Like, they, he, didn't, he didn't want me. And not even that, like, a few months after I was born, my mom calls my grandma, and she's like, listen, I got two kids now. I'm, like, 18 years old. There's no way I could raise both of these babies. I'm going to need you to just pick one. So I guess they just any, mini money mode over me. And, and my grandmother took me for a season of my life. And so even from the moment I was born, here I am, and I'm not even staying with either of my parents grow up in a house, and, and you can imagine a single mom working all the time, trying to raise nine kids. She just wasn't around, and so I have one older brother. The other seven are younger than me, and so my older brother was my parent. So where he went, that's where I went. What he did, that's what I did, and so obviously <laughs> in our neighborhood, there were not good options, okay? There was no golf club, you know what I'm saying? There, were, there, there was no, nobody was playing chess, like, <laughs> like we were getting high every weekend. We were just doing whatever we thought felt good in the moment. We were just living our life, and, and, and we had no real idea of, like, future. We were just like, whatever we want to do today, <laughs> that's what we're going to do, and so I went to middle school, and in school, I was always, like, I was always smart. It just, it just wasn't, it wasn't that difficult to me. I was just able to just show up and just do the work and go ahead, and so they moved me to this, this magnet school, and I make this friend in eighth grade, and, and I wouldn't even say we were close friends. We just kind of, we just knew each other, and we would speak to each other in the hallway, and I, I didn't really think much of it, but then when we got to high school, I had classes with this person, and in 10th grade, my mom calls my dad, and he comes and picks me up. I don't know this man, <laughs> but for some reason, my mom has called this man to come and pick me up, and so I go, and I live with him for six months. It did not work out because I was not saved or sanctified, and so I, like, always had the gift to just say something to get on somebody's nerves, okay? And so uh, <laughs> some of you, like, you still got that gift, okay? <laughs> we, <laughs> we healing, okay? We healing. So it didn't work out. I was smart mouth. I talked back to my dad. There was just no respect. It just didn't work, so he was like, uh, bro, like, you're going to have to go back home, and so halfway through my junior year, I moved back home, and I end up with like three classes with this friend that I made in middle school. And I did not realize this about this person, but this person like loved Jesus, okay? She was the person that like brought her Bible to school, come on, with her highlighters, and she would like write notes in it. And I'm like, I would make fun of her. I'm like, listen, that's not going to help you. Let me just tell you. And she would talk to me about God, and I had heard about God, but I thought, you know what? If my earthly father is no good, then I don't really, I'm not really interested in a father that I can't see. And so here I am, I'm in high school, and she's inviting me to this youth event. And I'm like, listen, okay, it's, it was like on a, on a Saturday night, and I'm like, listen, that's not how I want to spend my Saturday night. It's our, it's our senior year. Like, I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying, I'm trying to have fun in like a not holy way. And somehow, this person is convincing enough to get me and another one of my friends to come into the room. And, and we've, we pick the furthest seats in the back, because I'm like, listen, this church might catch on fire. I don't even know, like... <laughs> I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here right now. And she makes people move. Like, she is like, this is an awkward moment. She asks these girls to move off of the front row. They don't want to, but she just kind of makes them <laughs> and sits me, like, right in the front. And now I'm like, oh, she crazy. Like, like this, is, this is crazy. And I'm there, 
And it actually was Pastor Stephen. At the time, he was traveling, and he was communicating. He was preaching at, at different youth events and different churches, and Pastor Stephen was there. Do not know this man at all. I have never heard of him. And he begins to preach the word in a way that, like, I had never heard before. I was used to, you know what I'm saying, the pews and, you know what I'm saying, the, the dust said the Lord. Like I, like, I grew up in different kind of neighborhoods, so it was just a little different, okay? And he begins to preach. And I, for the first time, I couldn't have verbalized it then, but the first time I felt like, God, you see me. Through all, the, through all the things that I've been through in my life, through, through, through all the issues, through my dad not being there, through, Ben, y'all can come up so it can help me not cry. <laughs> the nights that I wondered, would my dad come and pick me up? I have eight siblings, and you could have picked any one of them to be in the room, but you saw me. Through moving to college, not really having no money. Like, I ain't had no job. I, was, I just went to college because they said it was going to be paid for. So I was like, hey. <laughs> Wrestling through that and feeling like, God, there's a calling on my life, but, but I feel stuck. He saw me. I started doing these, uh, these local mission trips with Pastor Stephen and Katie. And, and uh, the first trip, I, j- I just knew they was never going to invite me back. I pre- like, they asked me to do my testimony. I went too long. I was lazy. I wasn't complaining to them, but I was complaining to other people. I was like, I'm hot. We got rained on. It was just, it wasn't, I was like, huh. if this is what ministry is like, I'm going back to college. <laughs> I am going back to school. But Pastor Stephen called me that next year, and he said, you know what? I want you to come back, and I'll, and I'll, cover, I'll cover the cost, but it, I just want you to serve, and I want you to lead. And I feel like God has, has placed something inside of you. And in that moment, God saw me. Then eventually we move up here to, to plant the church, and I, and I moved from Louisiana to Arkansas with no family, with one suitcase, and a thousand dollars. That's what I had. I was like, I felt rich. I was like, ooh, a thousand dollars. Dave Ramsey said, get a thousand dollars, you're good. I spent that mug about the first month just paying for like an apartment. Had no job, no car. Wondering God, like, <laughs> you gonna have to work it out. We only had 35 people at the church, so you really don't have multiple staff members <laughs> on a church when, when you have that many people. So they were like, you got to get a job. When I was riding my bike 30 minutes, to, to slim chickens, <laughs> frying chicken for people, feeling like, I thought you said I had a call of God on my life, and I didn't know it was going to be serving chicken to people. God saw me. We start the church, and, and, and I meet Sydney, and, and we're at this launch meeting, and we start doing kids' church together, and I'm like, why did they give me somebody to do kids' church? I just want to do what I want to do. I want to go crazy. I want to play MC Hammer, can't touch this. I want to do crazy games. And Sydney is, like, trying to make it safe and trying to make, like, make sure kids learn about Jesus and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to have fun. And me and Sydney build a relationship, and eventually we start dating, and, and, and we get married, and now we have a son. And all those moments where every time I could have stopped in year one, year two, year three, year four and said, you know what, God, I'm going back to what I know. I can't do this. And can I tell you, there was nothing inside of me that didn't want to do that. Everything inside of me, every turn of the way, wanted to go back to where I was at. But it was the hand of God on my life that pulled me out of the crowd and said, you know what, son, we're not going that way. We're going this way. And for some people in this room, I need to let you know that God's hand is on your life. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He has not left you. Is there anybody in the room? Come on, I need some people who have who have been through something, who have some experience, 
Because if you're new, you may only have information right now. That's okay. Just stick around. Because when you have some experience, you can go through something. You can say, you know what? This issue that I'm facing right now may seem big, but I've been in the room before, all bent out of shape. And God sees me through the crowd, through the crowd of people who don't want to see me win, through the crowd of my own thoughts and ideas, through the crowd of the enemy and his tactics and his tricks to keep me stuck. Jesus looks through it and he sees you. So can I ask you one question today? Just one question. What is it that makes you feel unseen? Because I would say that's the very same thing that God is going to speak to that's going to make you stand out of the crowd. I can look at young people in the face, flat-footed, and say, God loves you, he has called you, and there is something inside of you that he wants to do, not because that's what the Bible says, even though it does say that, but because I've seen him do it in my own life. And there's a group of people that you can reach, that you can speak to. You have a testimony, you have something that you've gone through, and you feel like it's disqualified you from God seeing you. But I'm saying, that it's the very thing that's qualified you for God to be able to call you out and say, now turn and go. Straighten up and praise God. I love that the story ended this way. Actually, it ended with some religious people complaining, but we're not even going to talk about that because we won't have any of those here, okay? <laughs> Come on, today, could you straighten up and praise God through the issue, through the thing? we just all say, you know what, we're going to commit to straighten up and we're going to praise God. Whatever it is that makes me feel unseen, I'm going to go home and I don't care if I have to Google 25 scripture verses about this thing and plaster it on my wall, but I'm going to look at what God says more than I'm going to look at my current situation. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.